Howdy, how's it going, all right? Are we ready to rock today? I'm a little bit pumped, as you can see. I had my second coffee just before, so that always helps. Anyway, look, can we slip up slide one if we could? Um, I forgot all about the slides in the last service, so you're in a treat this time because you're actually going to get a few pictures. Is there, is there a slide one? I don't know. Here, oh, here it comes. You might see the date stamp on there. This little slide here, oh look, I'm talking about the power of cross today. I feel totally inadequate to really even talk about it, to be honest. It's such a huge subject, and uh, I mean, look, you know, you could write books and books and books and you know, and well, do people write books anymore? I'm not sure. You can put it on the internet and the internet and the internet, but 2007, this is uh, in India, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a bit of a crazy place, to be honest, like, um, I don't know if you've ever been to India, but it blows your mind, and uh, we jumped on this train, we'd already been in India for two or three weeks doing a bit of stuff around the place, and, and we're coming down through, I think, Kolkata or somewhere like that, heading to a state called Andhra Pradesh, and uh, you know, I mean, India is a chaotic sort of place, you know. I mean, we're trying to get on the train. We're evidently in the right place to get on the train. The train pulls up, it starts taking off. We're running with baggage to get on the train, evidently in the wrong place, you know. And then we're asking, oh, you know, um, we, we need to get off at this stop. And we had no idea. People really didn't speak English, um, didn't know what the heck was going on. We asked one guy, they said, oh, yeah, that's three hours away. We asked another guy, he says, oh, we've already passed it. And we're just like, mate, God, whatever happens is whatever happens in India, man. And anyway, somewhere we got there and they pulled up and we got off. We didn't even know who we were meeting. It was all just sort of like that. It was a arranged trip, but anything in India that's arranged is sort of arranged in their time frame, you know. And, and, and so we land in this place and we head off and we're driving through this, this state and believe it or not, I mean, uh, we see all these communist statues, like communist statues, you know, like you'd see in Russia or somewhere. And we're thinking, like, where the heck are we? I thought we were in India here. And uh, we're driving through, through this place, and, and, and we get to this, uh, this, little, this little village where this um, church was. And, um, oh, man, I mean, I sort of put that up there because I searched on Google Photos, and a cross came up, so that's how this came up, this photo, by the way. <laughs> And uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm a very spiritual person, as you can see. And uh, anyway, um, this was in a communist area. The communists were at war with the government. They had just bombed a police station. A white man, believe it or not, hadn't been to this area. They hadn't seen a white man for 25 years. And uh, I didn't even know I was going to this damn place. I was, you know what I mean? I said, where the heck am I? You know what I mean? Oh, look, I said, look, I want to just go for a walk down. They have these little stalls with, you know, um, fly-encrusted drinking water bottles and little, you know what I mean? If you've ever been to India, you know what I mean? You're never sure, I wonder if that's fresh water or what's going on here. I mean, this is me from Hamilton, you know? And, uh, and so we're there and... Uh, and, uh, and I start to walk out of this place, and everyone like, roars up, oh, no, you can't walk anywhere. They're kidnapping people in this area at the moment. Go, right, this is wild. And, uh, but, I mean, what stuck in my mind in the midst of this was this um, guy. He, he was a communist, the pastor of this church, and uh, he's in the middle of this war zone, in this communist stronghold within India of all places, and, and he was just the coolest cat. I mean, he couldn't speak a word of English. I couldn't speak a word of whatever he was talking about. I don't know. But I had a translator, and there was just this connection, and they had this rocking music. Like most of India, I found quite hard because the music sort of didn't seem like music to me. 
Apart from in the northern India where we got the sort of the Nepalese that were coming down, they had a bit of rhythm to them, you know, they were getting it on. But the communists, man, they had some flipping mean rhythm, you know, and they had the bongos going there, and just the power of God was moving. This guy, just multiple people were being healed, the church was growing, and uh, I mean, no theological training, nothing particularly had been done. This guy just got saved and started and started this church. You know, it was just incredible, incredible place. And, and the cross, the power of the cross, I mean, this, this is the power of the cross, what we're talking about here, is that it doesn't matter where you are, what environment you're in, when God gets involved with his power, nothing is impossible to those who believe. I'm sort of going off what I'm really meant to be talking about today, but I'm trying to tie it in, so just bear with me, all right? When I started praying about this a few weeks ago, I was thinking, man, well, how am I going to even talk about the cross? Because I felt God say, look, you need to talk about the power of the cross. This is one of the chosen subjects. Uh, and, uh, and I thought, oh, where do I start? I started thinking about, oh, I'm going to lay out this theological basis for the cross and the power of the blood and what it means and the original Greek and the Hebrew and all this type of carry on. And uh, then I just sort of threw that all out after a week and thought, well, what does it mean to me? What does this power of the cross mean to me personally? How has it impacted my life? What has it done in my life? And one thing I do know is that uh, the person with an argument is always at the mercy of that person which has an experience. And once you've experienced the power of the cross, you'll never be the same again. One, uh, yet, yet, yeah, absolutely, clap, clap if you like. Um, you've got to be fast to clap when I'm talking. I'll give you two claps and I'm going. All right? uh, no. But uh, this power of the cross, I mean, it's something to be experienced. I mean, you can talk about it till the cows come home. Does that make any sense to you? I don't know. You can talk about it, you know, until you die and go to heaven. You can talk about it to anyone you like, but until you've experienced, you've got no understanding of what this is all about, you know? I mean, until a communist guy that's hard-out communist, I don't know what even happened, but this guy experienced the power of God in this nation here, man, and just set up a church in the midst of this communist chaos in India, and I love that stuff, you know? This is what it's all about. So anyway... I sort of put it a little bit like this, is that I remember, I'll tell this story, I did tell it in the last service, I don't like to repeat myself, but this is a little one for you. Um, <clears throat> when I was a young fella, I got my driver's licence, alright, well what's the time, we've got a little bit of time here, cool, just pull me in if I'm going too long. <laughs> when I was a young fella, I got my driver's licence, this was 16 years old, I think you could get it at 15, and I don't know how I even got it to be honest, I mean I failed everything at school, I was just a, you know, well, I hardly went to school, to be honest, and uh, I took a lot of guitar lessons at school, which I never actually went to, and uh, Hillcrest, I believe, has tightened up a bit since then, Tony, is that right? Good, good. There's no reflection on Tony's teaching, he wasn't there at that time, right? But anyway, <laughs> I mean, I was just a little mongrel at school, let's put it that way. But... Um, uh, I, got, I, was, I was pestering my parents and saying, right, you know, I've got my licence now, I'd like to use the car. And man, I was arguing with them for days about this. And, uh, you know, very persuasively and naggingly. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know if anyone's had a child and they've nagged. They just break you down, eh? They break you down till you almost surrender your faith and who you believe in. I mean, they just, 
You know what I mean, eh? Like kids are just, ah, oh, you know. How many times are you going to ask me for this chocolate? Just take the whole damn box, you know? <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so I'm, this, is the, this is the scene I'm in. I'm a teenage boy, a bit shorter than this fella here. I mean, it's like, what the? Um, he's like a fully grown man, and he's got a voice like a man. I feel like a little premature teenager here right now talking. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I'm harassing the heck out of my parents, and um, they gave in, but they gave me a little bit of advice, and they said, from my experience, you know, Drive safely, drive slowly, be careful, don't do anything stupid, all of this type of thing. And in the back of my mind, I mean, I didn't hear anything they said, of course, because as a teenager, you know it all. I mean, what can my parents teach me, possibly? <laughs> I mean, I've experienced all there is to life. I mean, what, what are they even talking for, you know? I mean, I think for about four or five years of my life, whenever I talked to my parents, it was just, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was just me, but that's how I was. I was a shocker. And um, still are slightly shocking. But um, anyway, so I harassed them, and they said, right, you can borrow the car and flip. You wouldn't believe it, man. We had this Mark III Cortina two-liter station wagon, automatic. I mean, it was the bee's knee. Well, it wasn't really, but for me it was, because I'd never really driven a car by myself, you know. And uh, so they, they, you know, begrudgingly, after much, you know, uh, wisdom and counsel, said, right, you can borrow the car. And can you put on the next slide, please? Um, this is us that... No, no, <laughs> no, no it, was, it wasn't. But that's a Mark III Cortina, right, just to give you an idea. Um, right, put on the next slide, please. That was the wrong one. This is the Mark III Cortina, right? So uh, anyway, it was flashing than this one. This is the only photo I could find on the internet, you know. I just searched Google Photos, so that'll do. Whip it on there. No one will know in the place. Um, so anyway, we went down to the uh, cemetery. I don't know. You know the big cemetery past the Rose Gardens? They built a big roundabout there now. But there used to be this fantastic paddock for doing wheelies and donuts in. And uh, we just, I mean, it was a kilometre from my home. We just, me and my mum picked up my mate, we're just going like lunatics, then we went to the lake and I was just driving around there like Michael Schumacher, just flipping, hanging it out, next minute went a bit wide into the flipping pole. I mean, the first time I'd even been given the car to drive in box. <laughs> and it was stuck on it, it was one of those little wooden things on the edge of the drive, you know, and, oh man, so me and my mate are just, what are we going to do, we'll need to lift it off, and we're out there trying to lift this car, <laughs> this car off this pole, couldn't lift it off, because I mean... Back then, cars were made like cars. I mean, they didn't crumple when you crashed. The, the thing you crashed into crumpled, right? If you got hit in a car, you died. You know what I mean? You didn't get sort of, you know, brought into this crumple zone and survive. So anyway, and then so, so anyway, we got the car off. I got back home. My parents were in bed. They were just totally worn out from praying and interceding and fasting and the wearing down of weeks and weeks of nagging and flipping harassment. And, uh, and I, you know, I mean, the, the rest of the story is a story. But they had the experience. I had the argument, all right? Um, look, the power of the cross, it's a silly story, I know, but the power of the cross has to be experienced. Yeah, that's right. And unless you experience the power of the cross, you just don't know. I mean, this, this is the incredible thing. Um, let me just get on quickly. How much time? We've got a few minutes. Good. Past dance, you went on for way too long. The presence of God was here. I mean, I could have just not even talked, to be honest. But Can we whip up the next slide? I can't remember what it is, but could be a picture, maybe. Oh, there it is, yeah. 
I'll just put this up quickly because of the good-looking fine stud of a specimen on the front there. And uh, <laughs> Hey, I've got the mic, man. You can't argue with me, can you? Anyway, that's my sister. That's my dad. He's 87 on the 20, 22nd of this month. That's my, his sister behind him. She's about 80. And that's my mum in the far distance. Um, and I'll just put this up quickly because I asked them a couple of quick experience about what the power of the cross meant to me meant to them, and, and as soon as you ask that, you would think people would start talking about specifically the cross, but people never do. They talk about how God has impacted their life, and, uh, you know, because as I said before, you'd think, hey, you need to tell and explain all the ramifications about the cross and, the, and all these technical sort of things, because you've walked with God. I mean, these, these guys have walked with God for years and years, but check this out. Uh, where are we? If I can find it. All right, whoops, slide something, no. Um, oh, yeah, good. Just bear with me, I'm getting there. Um, illustration, no, yes. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, Auntie Natalie, so young, she's 70. She said, when I was, when I was eight years old, she, um, her, um, the gra- granddad Moore was preaching at a, in the gospel at the Rifle Range Hall in Frankton. Anyone heard of Rifle Range Road? Yeah. <laughs> in Frankton. I mean, she's about 80 now, keep this in mind. And uh, she just felt, I don't know, just felt like something was going on and she needed to respond. At the end, she's a bit scared though because she's just young. And then at the end of it, she went and, and asked and they prayed with her and she experienced God. She experienced the power of the cross. I mean, up till then it was, she'd heard the stories. I mean, she'd probably been in, I mean, they're pretty strict in those days. You would have been in church, you know. When church was on, man, you were there. There was no, I'm off going to play sport, off going, just getting there, you know. I mean, there's no mucking around, which is not a bad thing, I think. So she, you know, she experienced the power of God um, at eight years old. At 11 years old, she said, um, she started to get greater and greater revelation. And now at her age, now at almost 80, she said, I now lean on the Lord and know his power and the power, power, power of what he's done in my life because, and, he, and that he is a husband to a widow because her um, husband passed away three years ago, who was my uncle. And man, he was a cool cat, man. I miss him, eh? I said to you, I miss that guy because he was like a friend more than an uncle. Um, my dad, he's in his late 80s and I, I, asked, I asked him, not, not late 80s Mercedes. <laughs> I've heard of the band, but he can rock it out on the keyboard though. But he said at five years old, trembling and broken, he come to know the fear of God in Kettle Street in Frankton. Later on in Tauranga, his uncles came down from the milling operation in the Kaimai Ranges and came down and shared the gospel, and it just re- there's just something that clicked, you know, in his life. And he said one of the things that clicked was his uncles came around, they prayed with each of the young ones before they went to sleep. And he said it just, I don't know, just something, just this understanding and this knowledge that God was God and that there was this power, the power of the cross, the power of God had hit his life. And he's now 87, and he's been living for God all his life, you know, just this life he's probably given more than he's saved. Um, love it, eh? I mean, look, there's story after story. I mean, I could carry on about my life. I mean, you know, I, I understood God, had an experience of God as a young fella in the Open Brethren Church right opposite Hillcrest High School. And then went off and sort of thought I knew more, as you can understand from my story about the car driving. Sort of lived my own life, parted like a mongrel. Um, <laughs> did, you know, that was my life. I just, man, let's go, let's do it. And uh, tasted all I could to taste of the world. And then at 21, guess what? God had other ideas. Walked into the church, got touched by the power of the cross, 
filled with the Holy Ghost. And hey, I'm not saying life hasn't been like that since, but there's this knowing, you know. There's this knowing because of the experience, right? Because of the experience of the cross. Well, Paul the Apostle said the following, and this is paraphrased, all right, a little bit in my language. He said, the life-changing power of the cross is super obvious to us who have experienced it. But if you haven't, it seems like we're all cray-cray, you know? We're all crazy. Because, I mean, if you haven't experienced it, when you're relating to someone that hasn't tasted of the cross, it's like another language. I mean, you, you know, this day and age, you can talk to a lot of people. They don't even know anything about the Bible. They've had no experience of the Bible. And we try and explain things like the power of the cross. They, they have no comprehension of what's going on. And that's why Paul was saying this. In, in the actual verse, said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Yeah. Now, that's a great verse. makes total sense to me. Someone else out there, they think, what are you calling me, a fool? Well, I may be a sucker. No, I wouldn't say that, but you know what I mean? But it's, 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 it's you know, it's got to be a personal revelation, um, this power of the cross. I wrote a little poem. This is based on the crucifixion. Um, and I don't know, you might find yourself in part of this poem. You may not do. Um, one or two, it's up to you. Which one are you? Uh, sorry, which one you say is you this day, the question that comes to all. We think we're right, but come the night the final card is drawn. The first cried out, well, he cried out with a mocking shout. If you're the one, then save yourself and don't forget us if you can. You know the number one. Well, you may do. The kind, the mocker, the scoffer, the she'll be right on the night. Don't bother. All roads lead to Rome, don't you know? But hey, perhaps if he walks into my room, I may well put down my opinionated ice cream, Facebook, next foot, Instagram laden spoon from my indulgence in my appetites and ways. But look, remember, I'm a good person and my works will assert in my destination, if at all there is one and one only to pursue. But in the meantime, I'm my master and I'll choose whatever path I choose to pursue. Well, the second protested that we were arrested with blood, guts, and gore upon our hands. But this Messiah that you mock doesn't deserve to be part of us, Motley Lock. Can't you see this tree where he's not meant to be? So Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you reach your kingdom. Don't forget this little minion, even though I don't deserve a second thought. Then the third one turned to answer in the midst of what seemed disaster, with a tone that blew the fear of death away. He looked into his eyes, though beaten, bloodied, bruised and unrecognised, and said, paradise assured awaits us your reward, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. One or two, it's up to you. Can we slip on number, slide number seven? Please. I'll read this out. It says, the physical symbol of the cross. There's a vertical coming down from heaven, entering into the earth, implanted in the earth. There's the horizontal, the human, crossing the vertical, crossing the divine. If you take away one of those parts, the vertical, there's no cross. If you take away the horizontal, there's no cross. 
So it's the fusion, the union of these two aspects, the divine and the human, that gives the cross its power and its significance and its meaning that God is always with us and he's particularly with us in our sufferings, in our cross. And he cannot and will not separate himself from us in our sufferings. He's always there to help us and console us, to give us the strength to go on. So it is a great symbol of hope in that way. You can look up at the cross and see the vertical and keep going up to the God of heaven. That's from Mother Claudia from a convent. A nun wrote this, and I thought that was a powerful thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, the cross means a lot of things to a lot of people, but can I say this? I like this the best, actually, and uh, it's because it's out of the word and it's the Apostle Paul speaking. And uh, what is the power of the cross to me, to you, to the person on the street? And Paul says this. He said, what shall separate us from the love of Jesus? Shall trouble? Shall hardship? Shall persecution? Shall famine? Shall nakedness, shall danger, or shall the sword? I mean, there's a lot of subjects right there, and we can probably fit ourselves into all of those words at some time, if not right now, or in our past, and maybe even our future. And he goes on to say, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor any power, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, neither angels nor demons will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And look, the power of the cross has to be experienced. And the power of the cross is Jesus' love for us. I mean, that power, you know, it's been said many times, the love of God is represented in Jesus hanging on the cross. And it wasn't the nails that held him on there, but it was his love. And can I say to you today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you think you're going through, it's not more than what Jesus has done by his death upon the cross. You know, he made a way where there was no way. And if you'll experience, if you'll just taste something of this cross, you'll be a transformed person. Look, I I mean this in all honesty. I mean, I've tasted and I've seen and I know myself that there is no other greater experience than receiving Jesus Christ as your personal saviour and having a revelation of this cross. You have a revelation of this cross and let me tell you, you'll be consumed. You'll be free. I mean, the world says, man, we have freedom. Come out with me. I've got all the toys. I've got all the things. I've got got all the intoxicants, whatever it may be. But there's nothing in that. It's dead man's bones. There's no freedom there. It's just filling. It's just filling your life. It's just burning your time. You know, Jesus, if you'll taste and see and experience the love of God, if you'll taste and see this, you will walk out of this place a changed person. And let me tell you, it won't just be then. It'll start to change and influence and impact every person around you. This, this is the power, man. This is the power of the cross. Let me, t- let, let me give you this little illustration. I was in this place in Napier two weeks ago. We're staying with my parents' friends. Never been into church at all. A hardened sheep farmer. He's farmed in the hills of uh, the Hawke's Bay. 
all his life. Like he was born on a sheep station and he shifted off one only a couple of years ago. This guy would never set foot in a, in a church. Now, I was just, I was in this place, and I mean, you know, they're, they're respectful. Don't, don't get me wrong, they're respectful of God. And as we left, I just said, look, Peter and Buddy, I want to pray for you. You know that we're Christians. And, uh, and I just said, look out this window. We're right on the beach. And I just said, look, look at this creation. I mean, there's a designer. There's an artist here. There's someone involved that's bigger than you realize. And uh, I said, could I pray for you and bless your house? And they said, yes. And man, I just went for it, of course. If there's an opportunity, you know what I mean? But when I say I went for it, it was respectfully, but I just went for it. I just said, Jesus, I pray that you'd walk through this house. God, that you'd breathe on this house. God, you'd touch every person in it. And as I was praying this prayer, I looked up and there's this hardened sheep farmer, man. Tears. <laughs> Tears running down his eyes. Oh. You see, I believe he experienced something of the power of the cross that day, and he knew it. Now, whatever he did with that, I don't know. That's up to him. But this man had some experience of the power of the cross that day. So as I finish, can I pray for you and your households that God will walk through your lives, walk through your families? Hey, you guys that are praying for people, family, friends, children, neighbours, workmates, can I pray for you? And guess what? Watch out this week because God will start doing things. This is, the, this is the God we serve, man. When we start praying, he starts getting serious. And man, when the, when the power of God starts flowing through your life, watch out. He's going to put you in uncomfortable situations. You'll be saying, mm, I meant to say something here. Flip on that. These guys have beat me up. Guess what? I tell you what, when you start praying, they may beat you up, but they'll probably end up getting saved at the end of it out of conviction. All right? I'm not going to pray for you to be beat up, by the way. So bow your heads, if you will, and let me just pray a pair of blessing. Father, I just thank you for each person represented in this house of Elam today. I thank you for their families. I thank you for their workplaces. I thank you for their houses. I thank you for their neighbours. Lord, I thank you, Father, that your power would pour through their lives, God. Jesus, that you would walk through their families, God. Lord, that you would walk through each individual's life and leave that touch, that power of the cross tattooed onto their spirits, God. God, that hardened men and women and youth would bow down and receive Jesus Christ as their Saviour. God, that there would be such a tangible presence of your Spirit in their households, God, that when people walked into their place, God, they would experience the touch of the Holy Spirit. God, that when they walk, wherever they walk during this week, there would be such a presence of your Spirit upon their life that people would come under the convicting power of the cross. God, that people would start asking questions. God, that people would just stand in amazement because they receive what is shared with them about what you've done in their lives, God. So God, I declare blessing. I declare prosperity. I declare wholeness and healing and liberty and freedom, God. From this day forward, Lord, may this year be crowned with your blessing. May their paths drip with your abundance, God. May their spirit 
be 10,000 times bigger on the inside than the outside. God, may you stretch each life here till they're bursting at the seams and the living waters would flow through their spirits and impact every person in their vicinity. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you that nothing can separate us from your love, God. Do your love through our life again. Ignite our lives again, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you.